Uh, I got a really cool uh, gift yesterday. So we're we're in the Advent season. We while we're trying to wait, obviously um, Christmas is near, and, and so gifts start to arrive, etc. My parents actually just came over today to help set up my Christmas tree, and my dad actually got me this. I guess Hallmark's putting out this like seven-piece set of Star Wars uh, ornaments, oh. and if you hook them all together. They can tell all these different stories. From, they can do all these different scenes from the movies and everything, which is kind of cool. That's super cool yeah. and super nerdy. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last yesterday, uh, I was just sitting around for a little bit doing some reading. I got a text from one of the teachers at the school, and she goes, "Are you home?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Okay, I've got a, I got, a, I got a gift for you." I'm like, "Oh, cool. Okay." So she's dropping by. She goes, "Well, I didn't want to give this to you at mass because I didn't want people to give you weird looks," <laughs> and it was an Advent beer calendar does it have like beers in it yes <gasps> 24 24 different beers for the 24 days of advent that's beautiful or the 24 days of december at least of that it takes up for advent yeah right, right so right. yeah yeah so this one is a combo package of two microbreweries from bc uh, red truck and parallel 49 which both i like so i have a beer for every day of advent and okay, so it's the first have you time tried I've, any? Yeah, yeah. I just I tried the Pilsner last night because I was looking for something. So there, so far, I've gotten a the day one was a the a vanilla stout, second day was a Pilsner, and today's was uh, apple cider cinnamon um, saison. That does not sound like a real beer. It is a real beer. That sounds like just a cider. No, it's 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 like an infused taste into a beer. They're infusing the taste into beer. So I am I am no yeah. beer expert by no, any not. means. Hey, I'm I educated for... you well in Pittsburgh. You did, you did. I did, you know, an increase in love for the Catholic tradition of brewing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, like, stouts, mm -hmm. I like stouts, but if it gets, like, too coffee or mm -hmm. too vanilla, mm -hmm. I'm, like, super no to any of those. Yeah. And then, like, if it gets too goofy with, like, extra flavors, like... To be honest, I probably like it because I like winter beers and they're yeah. usually a little sweeter and good. Okay. But uh, that's cool. That's an awesome gift. I yeah. tell people this. Yeah. You know, I've got a birthday once a year. Certain holidays come around once a year. I understand it can be stressful to remember those days and get me a gift. So in my mercy, uh -huh. in my graciousness, you uh -huh. may give me a gift whenever you feel like it. Oh, okay. I accept g gifts 365 days a year. You are merciful and just and generous. Yeah, amen, for, amen. yeah, yeah. So for me, this is like the this is a, I, I've heard about beer advent calendars. They sell out quite quickly at most liquor stores. So it was. Um, I've always kind of wanted to try one, and I mean, I won't like every beer in it, obviously, because there's 24 different beers. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought, and it was very thoughtful because they know I like beer, and they know I I like good beer, and I thought, wow, that was like just a really really cool gift to get. So I was, I for me, it's like when when a gift is like super thoughtful like that that just just puts that person they're gonna get very easy penances if they ever come to me for confession <laughs> there's gotta be some <laughs> church rule against that but i love it i'm sure there is <laughs> plus i have to actually know it's them at confession right so right right who yes, knows yes yes i'm kidding folks i'm kidding i'm kidding so uh i'm father harrison i'm father anthony and welcome to clerically speaking okay so yeah. speaking of christmas things during advent uh -huh. Today I was in the office filing away some marriage paperwork, feeling very accomplished. I walked by one of our secretary's uh, offices, 
and she knows everything. So I was asking her questions like all day, like where, how do we do this? How do we do that? Because mm-hmm. everything's still new to me. And she was making fun of me the entire time, which is good. So I, I like to give her a raise. Right. <laughs> I'll tell the pastor that you think she should get a raise for making fun of me. Anyway, so I get by the door and I see this sheet of wrapping paper on mm-hmm. her door. Hmm. And I was like, well, what's going on with this? And she goes, oh, aren't you going to decorate your door for Christmas? I was like, we do door decorations for Christmas? And she's like, yeah, are you going to do something? And I was like, am I going to do something? Hmm. Lady, you have no idea. Because in seminary, we would decorate our hallways. Not just mm-hmm. throw up a few Christmas lights, mm-hmm. but we would get like the old, going to burn down your building lights that we had collected, string them up all the way down the hallway. One year, we literally wallpapered the hallway with wrapping paper. Total fire hazard. I don't know why they let us do it. We've done door decorations. We had this cardboard fireplace, uh-huh. to which we attached not nice stockings, but like socks with our names written in Sharpie. It was yeah. the trashiest, beautifulest Christmas decorations ever. So I hear about this. I get real pumped. Like, oh, I'm going to just blow you guys away with my decorations. So by the time this comes out, hopefully my door will be done. And I am doing a heat miser versus snow miser uh-huh. battle on my door Cool from the great holiday movie Year Without a Santa Claus. Is it snow miser or is it freeze miser? I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Are these, are these all the stop motion ones? Yeah, stop motion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched Santa Claus Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer were the two I always watched. Yeah. So I bought Christmas lights, red and blue. I bought some wrapping paper that's going to work well. I'm going to cut out all these shapes and everything. I'm real pumped for the door. By the time this episode drops, it'll, it should be all up and amazing. I'm really excited. You'll have to send me a picture so I can put it on Twitter on your behalf. Exactly, because the Twitter fast continues. By this exactly. time... Well, what about what about for the Immaculate Conception? Should I, oh, here's the thing. It's much easier just to not break your fast. Mm-hmm. It's much more difficult to like keep a fast, then break it for one day, yep. and then take it back up again. Yep. Like building up a habit actually makes that habit more like easier. Yep. And because like even my 15 minutes a day on Twitter just to do podcast stuff, yeah. Like I feel that temptation. I feel being drawn back in to the black hole of Twitter. And I'm like, right. ooh, ooh, that's scary. Fair. I won't yeah. push into temptation. So just send me the picture and I'll put it on Twitter on your behalf. Sounds good. Well, it's funny, like, my, like I said, my parents came to help me decorate my tree today. I mean, I, I like, I love Christmas stuff and everything, but I'm like, especially in the rectory, it's it's just me here. And okay, you yeah. usually don't have visitors here or anything. So I don't really feel this need to decorate. I don't know, maybe I'm getting scroogey in my, in my year, in maybe. my age. But I was, I mean, hey, I'm great. And I'm grateful. My, my parents came over because they knew I was quite tired. I haven't slept well the last three weeks. So they knew I was tired. My mom loved, and my mom's a very good, is very good at decorating the trees. So oh, I'm happy nice. it's up. It's just, yeah. if I didn't have to put it up myself, mm-hmm. I probably, if I had to put it up myself, I probably wouldn't have. I'm just both proud and surprised that Canada has Christmas. I, I thought you're just surprised that there's Canada. Both. I'm constantly in awe and also in doubt that where you live is a real place. It's a paradox. As far as like my rectory, like when it comes to decorating my rooms, I don't do much. I'll put up a few strings of lights because lights are nice. And then once I put them up, they'll be up in my room for the rest of the year. Right. So once I get these lights up, they'll be up every year. I'll probably have them on all the time. So that's what I'll do. Gotcha. You know what? You want to know who else did a lot of decorating? 
Who? St. Thomas Aquinas. He decorated Aristotle with his own <laughs> theology. And so, folks, we bring you the Summa Tweetologica. <laughs> Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. examine what you said though okay because did he decorate Aristotelian <laughs> philosophy yeah because I feel like it's more like this idea of like baptizing the culture is a little bit or, different. maybe we okay, overuse or, that how about phrase. this how about this how about this he okay. he uh decorated Catholic theology with Aristotelian philosophy that also makes me feel weird it makes me feel weird too it's a transition <laughs> all right all right so, uh, for those who are Jeopardy fans, um, last week, the final category on Jeopardy was Catholicism. And the answer was this. A liturgical year begins on the first Sunday of Advent, which is the Sunday closest to the feast day of this first apostle. Who, what's, what's the question? I'm asking you. Well, who is Saint Andrew? Correct. Yeah, give me all the money. Right now. <laughs> so See, at, it's funny. I only know this because yeah. I, I I read the tweet, so I had to like look it up myself. So you see, I know this because Saint Andrew is the patron of my diocese. Oh, that's fun. which meant it was a solemnity in my diocese. Oh, did you guys party? We partied. We ate meat. Well, it's funny. I went to a party that night. Actually, I drove down to Victoria to visit some friends, and they're having a get together. We had mass at their at their apartment and it was really awesome and then they all brought out food i'm like folks where's the meat and, and most of them are like oh but it's friday i said yeah but it's a solemnity i told you guys it is i'm like yeah there's mac and cheese put bacon on it Heck thank yeah. you very much so anyways uh so at joe garrett uh tweeted this to bring it to our attention yeah actually there's a bit of a thread here with it the final Jeopardy category is Catholicism. I'm betting all of my money and all of your money, too. Thanks, guys. We're all going to be rich. Say, <laughs> Andrew, please and thank you. I win. Give me money. Get it. Losers, we're all going to Oprah Amigal. Not a single one of those pagans on TV got it, which means legally they have to give me all their combined winnings. So I, I loved it. I also yeah. love that the energy behind that tweet, yeah. like seeing something Catholic in a quiz show. Mm -hmm. When I was in seminary, and when I was in seminary with Father Alex Schrank, it was every Tuesday night or Thursday night. Mm -hmm. In the local bar in our area, there was always trivia nights. Mm -hmm. And so we would go and play trivia. Can you, can you guess what our trivia team name was? No. I'll just tell you. Yes. It was the Sam Dog Millionaires. Oh, my god. Get it? <laughs> Did oh, Father and Alex come up with that one? Uh, he might have. He might have. But he was definitely a powerhouse because that dude knows a lot of useless stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So believe it or not, the seminarians, we usually got in the top three. So we usually made some kind of gift card money and in the year we would spend it. But there was one night when there was a, their questions were about Catholic stuff. 
Oh, and man. we just demolished it. And it was the best feeling. Nice. Which you would you would hope we would demolish it, right? Yeah. I remember once we had a it was um New Year's and a parish was doing like adoration till midnight and everything and there they had someone had a traf Catholic tr uh trivia game. And so the question, oh, what was the question? Oh, oh, yeah. The question was uh what is St. Joseph's title in the divine praises, right? And this was actually one of the hard top or tier questions. Yeah. And, uh, and there was a, pre I, I wasn't even in seminary yet. And there was a priest in the group and they're oh. all like just blank phases. So I'm like most chaste spouse, her most chaste spouse. And I, I destroyed them and I still rag on that priest to this day. I knew it and you didn't, Good. I wasn't even in seminary yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's Good always times. tough because a lot of times you get put on the spot for random yeah. Catholic trivia. Yeah. And then like, it's so embarrassing because I studied for eight years. And I can't answer this basic question about like, who was the yes. first apostle? Exactly. Yikes. Yes. All right. Speaking of, speaking of puns, this is from Cassidy. Oh, wait, I lost it. Bring Coming back, come back. Okay. This is from Cassidy Stinson at Happy Seminarian. I know the guy. He's a deacon. He's going to be a priest soon. He's going to have to change oh, yeah. his Twitter handle. But he, he has a picture, a selfie, if you will, in the sacristy, wearing a purple cope, which is the cape that a priest will wear for things that aren't mass. And a tweet is this. You might say I'm coping well with the new liturgical year. Wah, wah, get it? Get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, like, if a pun is bad enough, like, I don't like good puns, but if a pun yeah. is really bad, I really like it. Nice. Like, I like a good, cringy pun. Nice. Which... I also want to plug them, because they're doing, like, a thing at the seminary, and Cassie's a part of this. The oh, this Alberon, is the Alberion Alber Project. The Alberion Project. Yes. And it sounds like they're doing some podcast stuff and just kind of this thing in the seminary where they're going to practice and learn how to use um, new media and they're doing it in the seminary and it looks like awesome. a good idea to me. So Yeah, it does look well, like a good idea. They'll yeah. have to listen to our podcast to learn from how awesome we are. Yeah, so they better. They, get they, also, they also better have me on as a guest or else <laughs> I'm going to remove... Oh, I have to say this as well. So I was tweeting at my seminary, which is Theological College, and I said, follow me back, you cowards, at my seminary. <laughs> and they responded back with a link to the donation page on their website. Wow. Right? <laughs> like hardcore. You had to give. I did. I did give because I hadn't given to them yet. I think they're a good seminary. So they totally um, made me give to them. so that they Did they follow you back? You know what? I haven't checked. Because you have to... You had to buy a follow. That's a. I know, and it was. An is that how you got follow. all those followers? You just bought them all. <laughs> at these prices, there's no way. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But anyway, shout out to my awesome. alma mater, theological right. college. Well, we're gonna have him on later on the show, but I just thought I would read out one of his tweets right now. Oh, his Tommy. Yes, Tommy. He says this. As oops. As I ate lunch with a large team at work and caught myself looking at their plates and thinking about eating all the food they hadn't finished, I realized I had finally reached peak dad. I was like, I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just awesome. It's a great tweet. It, it's good content. It's good content. You can always count on dad to eat your leftover food yes. so you don't feel like a schmuck. Exactly. So for me, this will actually still happen to me when I go out to eat with my family. 
because I, I don't eat any vegetables basically at all because I guess I'm still a child. But like if there's a salad, I just won't eat it. Mm -hmm. So when they ask me, you know, what um, dressing do you want on your salad? I will still just look over at my dad and be like, oh, what dressing do you want on your salad? <laughs> it's, be, it's also because they don't have vegetables at Sheets. They do. But why, why would you waste your time with that? I'd be interested in gas station vegetables. That'd be an interesting thing. Sheets is far more than just a gas station. It's a magical place. <laughs> All right. What do you got? I have something right over here. Scrolling down to choose a tweet. Where did it go? Somewhere over here. Oh, let's do this one. This is from Brandon McGinley mm -hmm. at Brandon MC. Yep. And the tweet is this. Thesis. Linus's speech in A Charlie Brown Christmas, 1965, was the last genuinely Christian moment in American popular culture. Hmm. Yeah. I've been thinking about that tweet because I've been trying to think of uh, antithesis, uh, uh, an antithesis to that thesis. And I can't think of one. Because in that scene, I mean, they're doing the whole Christmas movie thing. And it's lovely with the tree that's falling down, all this fun stuff. But then Linus just like he reads from the Gospel of Luke, basically, or quotes from it. Mm -hmm. And it's this just genuinely Christian moment. This is what Christmas is about. Yeah. And it's a really powerful moment in you yeah. know, what is more, more or less a silly movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think about... I can't think of any popular culture moment since then. Maybe our followers can think of one because I've been, I've been, yeah. I, listen, I grew up in a household where Christmas movies were, were huge and it, you know, it's not December unless you've watched National Lampoons at least five or six times. Is there no genuinely Christian moment in those movies? There is, but, it, <laughs> but well, no, there's a, there's a couple of small Christian moments, but I wouldn't call them any genuine Christian moments. Yeah. Um, so I I accept the thesis so far until I find data that, to the contrary. It doesn't have to just be Christmas moments, right? He's saying the last Christian moment in popular culture. Yeah, but it's a good point. It's a good point. So uh, I thought now is a good time then to bring in our our uh, what's our title again for Patreon? You have to remind me. You, you're the Patreon guy, so it's called Patreon Pontifications. Patreon Pontifications. <laughs> Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. So uh, again, uh, as we do every week, we have our section, our small section to read a tweet by one of our Patreon contributors. We have three levels. There's the creasers, or if you donate one dollar or whatever. There's the five dollars, which is pastoral council, and ten dollars, which is church lady. And so, uh, if you're in the pastoral council or church lady area, you, one of your tweets gets chosen in the pool, and we read it out on the air. So this week, uh, it's my good friend at Shannon underscore last. Uh, her tweet got chosen, and so she, I was DMing with her, asking her what she wanted, and so she gave me two options. So I'm going to go with the first option. She's quoting a story by Elizabeth Scalia on, from wordonfire.org called Amidst Our Apocalypse, Advent Asks Us to Stay. And this is the quote. But that is what Advent is asking us to do, to stay, to stand a watch in the gloaming, gloaming as the ever encroaching darkness draws near. 
and to ultimately get witness to the victory of light overnight, and then to stand in its glorious beams and see all things be made new. So that's the quote that Shannon uh, shares from the story. And I thought it is, it's a quite a, a beautiful, a beautiful little statement to say that regardless of how much the darkness seems to be encroaching on us, light triumphs. And that's the job of the Christian is to stay witness to that light. Mm -hmm. It's such an important thing to remember right now, because with all the bad news, and that's a very light way to put it, the bad mm -hmm. news in the church, all the difficulties we're facing, all the evil that we are realizing has been committed for years, and then the mm -hmm. terrible and poor handling of that evil, it's very tempting to despair or mm -hmm. to give up on the church mm -hmm. or to fall into from cynicism to negativity. And we need to remember what we really believe, that Jesus Christ triumphs. That's what mm -hmm. he came to do, that he never mm -hmm. abandons his church. Right. That there is going to be the final victory. And if you remember from our last episode, when Jesus is describing the end times, he's talking about all these terrible things that will happen. Right. God knows this is going to happen, but he's also going to deliver us from them. So it's a time for us to take the suffering we experience, allow it to purify us, yeah. and to continue to preach the gospel, even if everyone mocks us for it even right. if it's not going to make sense to the world. This is our job. This is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And Christ will bless that. And in the end, the church is victorious. Yeah. If you really believe in the resurrection, you know that no nothing that comes at us in this world will destroy us. I think we forget so much about Holy Saturday and mm -hmm. how awkward and quiet and seemingly hopeless holy saturday is mm -hmm. where it was just this day where christ is dead you know, mm -hmm. uh, of course mary uh, held on to hope even if she didn't fully understand what was going to happen she was still hopeful but the other apostles like who knows what they were thinking or what was going on in their minds but things did not look good right they you know they saw christ die yep and sometimes we're in holy saturday moments where we just yep. need to keep vigil just need to keep up that hope um, exactly which is another reason why devotion to Our Lady is just so essential to the Christian life. Amen. She teaches us how to do it. Amen. So thank you, Shannon, for being a Patreon supporter. And you too, too, can, can too. Just search up clerical, Clerically Speaking on Patreon and you can help support us. Anything extra that we don't need will be going to be given to the missionaries of charity for their charitable works. So uh, we don't want to make money doing this. We just want to help pay for our equipment and give producer Nick a little something for all the hard work. He works harder than we do on this. So <laughs> yeah, way harder, <laughs> way harder. <laughs> I was asking him today, how long does it take you to edit a podcast? It's like, okay, yeah, we definitely need to make sure we compensate you properly for that right. because <laughs> he also has a full-time job and he does this willingly for us. So thank you, producer Nick. Thanks, Nick. S yes. Thank you. So I have no transition. So just presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Yes, yes, quite, yes, quite. You know we're allowed I just to hurt everyone's expectations. Yeah, you did. You did. I'm I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be distracted for the rest of the podcast. Something <laughs> will be missing in my life. Um, but hey, we we 
continue be, on. Be a person of hope. Yeah. Father Anthony, be a person okay. of hope. All right. I want to talk today. I want to just maybe explain a little bit about what is the church's, what, what are some of the underlying principles behind the church's moral teaching? Because today there are a lot of different views about around um, same-sex marriage, contraception, euthanasia, abortion, etc. We the the tough moral questions are, are and they're getting increasingly difficult for us as Christians to understand and believe. They're, they're, we get inundated with these worldviews so much that when we see the Christian message, we see how antithetical it is to the world. And we have a hard time defending and promoting and even believing in the Christian position. Mm-hmm. So I've had a, I, I had a few experiences in this last week where I've heard um, people use the phrase, well, love is love, right? Have mm-hmm. you heard that phrase? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a tautology, which means it's something. It's it's saying the same thing. The pre, the conclusion is the same thing as the premise, so it's actually not saying anything different. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what people, when people say that, what they're saying is, whatever I define as love is mm-hmm. just as equal as whatever anyone else defines as love. Exactly. Love is love. Exactly. So it's making an incredibly strong claim, actually, in yeah. that kind of goofy phrasing. Yeah, it's a, it is very goofy phrasing, and I find it to be a very disconcerting phrase for a bunch of reasons, because when you start to ask people what love is, they often don't have uh, don't have a a definition for it, or at best they'll talk about it. I mean, you watch TV shows. This is why I like watching TV shows because they tell us something about how people understand love. Yeah, and it's love is a feeling, right? Well, I I feel like I've I have feelings for you. Okay, great. I've got feelings for that you know, chili cheese dog over there because it looks really <laughs> like it's going to make me very happy. doesn't mean I love it, right? <laughs> feelings are not definitions of love. There's an attraction. Sure, that's something. But there's always something more. There's yeah. always something more, right? So Can I put anyways, a little caveat in there? Yeah. Because a lot of times, if you're someone who listens to a lot of Christian podcasts or you're reading a lot of Christian books and that sort of thing, I think there's more and more an emphasis in popular Christian teaching that love is not just a feeling, which is absolutely true and absolutely needed. Yeah. But, but and it, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But neither Father Harrison and I, we're not saying that those feelings aren't good. Exactly. And there's, exactly. Like, there's a good thing about them and there's a purpose for them and they're nice and yep. they are a gift. Yes, but exactly. Because the culture has so emphasized this, the antidote is to get a little more specific with our definition of love. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, love primarily is an act of the will. Yes. Primarily. But it doesn't discount the feelings. It's just feelings are less supportive. They're not They're not consistent. They're not something you can base a life decision off of. Right. So anyways, I want to just kind of explain today a little bit, what is the basis behind all Christian world teaching? Because at the very least, my hope is we can understand what the, why the church is saying what she does around some of her hot topic moral issues. And to maybe start exploring a little bit how we can engage with people who aren't seeing this the same way. So I want to start off by looking at um, let's well let's let, let's just go right for the hard one. Let's just talk about same sex right. marriage. Let's just talk okay. about same sex marriage. Okay, yeah, we're gonna go there. Cool. We're gonna go there. Why not? It, 
it's I think it's the one you're going to come up against the most. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one that you're going to hear the most about. And I think it's the one that often is on people's minds the most. You, these other ones are too, euthanasia, abortion, all that stuff. But I find same-sex marriage is... is yeah, it definitely there. is. When I went to that retreat I talked about, and there was an Ask a Priest Anything thing, once the group got warmed up, the first thing they asked about was yeah. same-sex attraction or yeah. LGBTQ stuff or yeah. uh, same, you know, uh, gay marriage. Everyone, every Christian is, is thinking about this. Yeah. And a lot of times they feel like they don't have a good enough answer or they're hesitant or afraid. They don't want to hurt people with their answers because, yeah. you know, so many of us know people who yeah. are gay or are lesbian who identifies these things. Yeah. And we know these people and we love these people. Yeah. So we don't want to be like jerks to them for no reason. And a lot of times it sounds like our theology is discriminating against them if you don't right. understand what's going on. Exactly. So, um, and a lot of people have a hard time supporting the church's position because they think that by being against uh, same-sex actions, we are therefore against same-sex people. Yes. And that it gives a justification for hate and persecution and discrimination, which the church has never, ever, ever taught. Right, she's never taught that it's okay to discriminate against gay people, or that it's um, it's okay to hate gay people. Um, the church's teaching is well, okay. Maybe I'm gonna, I'll throw it at you first, just to see. I'm gonna put you on the hot spot. Oh, what okay. is the church's what is the church's teaching around same sex marriage? I mean, it's basically that man and women, man and woman, he created them. Mm-hmm. That is what marriage is. It's mostly for children. It's for children first, but then also for the relationship of the couple. Yep. And sex is only within marriage because as a proper ends, it's for a reason. It's not just to have. Yeah. And so if you come at it with that framework, people of the same gender or the same sex, maybe we should try to identify those words too because those are so mm-hmm. used, but people of the same sex cannot be married. Right. It is a literal physical impossibility for them right. to be married, right. the church would say. Yeah. I'm glad you used some of the words that I was hoping you would use. Uh, You're welcome. Ends, ends, We're more right. and more in sync every week, Father Harrison. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is because what you when you talked about that word ends, what, what do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. So this is one of our fun philosophical words that get yes. drilled into our brains as seminarians and as priests. The telos. Yes. So the end Maybe a good word to describe that is the purpose. So what the end of something is the purpose of something. It's not like game over, it's what you're pointing towards. So exactly. when we say end, it's what the thing is pointing towards. What is it for? Exactly. This right here. This is what this is pretty much gonna be my central point for all of this. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. This is the basis for all Catholic moral thought. Okay. Everything has a purpose or an end or a telos, which means that it is it has in, in itself a reason and a nature that it ought to fulfill. It has a purpose towards what it's to act, towards which it is to act. So, for example, a chair. What's the purpose of a chair is to be sat on? It's fulfilling its nature when someone is sitting on it. That's its fundamental purpose. I mean, you can go, you can make some distinctions, obviously, but that that just to get the example across, okay? 
so Catholic moral thought says that when you're not when you're uh, in, uh, intentionally uh, disrupting the purpose of a thing, it's de facto immoral. Right. Right. This is the basis for all Catholic moral thought. So with regards to same-sex marriage, the purpose of the sexual act, as Father Anthony uh, rightly described, is for the procreation of, the sp of children, the openness to procreation to children, and the union of the spouses. The male body and the female body are built for this purpose. Two male bodies are not built for this purpose together. Right. Right? They can't be. The plumbing doesn't fit, fit right? Yeah, it almost, sounds, it almost sounds crude, but it gives you yeah. the idea of how seriously the church takes the material world. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, we are getting into uh, part of what, what we're coming up against with all of this is a increasing um, view of the body as immaterial to who we are. Yeah. So we don't care what the purpose and means and ends of different body parts are. Right. So right. Th the way that most people view the body, and I've talked to even high school people and middle school people, and it's actually good to ask people in high yeah. school and in middle school how they view the world because mm -hmm. it's so fresh and matter-of-fact for them. Yeah. They haven't even had much time to reflect on it. It's just everything they've absorbed in their life. Mm -hmm. And so I'll describe the body like this. Like, Have you heard of the idea or do you see the idea of the body is just a car, your soul is the driver. You yeah. can change the paint of the car, the style of the car. It doesn't matter because the soul is the driver. Right. And like they will all nod along vigorously. Like, yeah, that's what the body is. Right. It's not the, the soul is what's important. The body, mm -hmm. you can change it however you like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to get a little philosophical here just quickly because this comes from Descartes. Yeah. Which sees the body as extension, as something that expresses myself but is not integral and essential to who I am as a human being. Um, if you don't know what all it means, don't worry about it. I'm just, it's just a little point. Well, yeah, um, so maybe, maybe I'll try to break it down a little sure. bit. Sure. So something about the way your body is actually tells you about who you are. Exactly. So your yeah. sex has something to say about who you are. Yes. For, you know, uh, in heaven, you will be a dude if you're a dude on earth. Yes. Because if you'll be a dude in the resurrection. You'll be a dude in the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so it yes. actually like the body expresses something or yeah expresses something about the soul did I say that right the body is expressive uh, well the person always is expressive through their body okay I, uh, yeah anyways we know what we're trying to say yeah hopefully you guys do too <laughs> hopefully you do right. too yeah we're just trying to say that there's no dualism right between body and soul yes or personality and body. Even mm. today, a lot of people aren't comfortable with the idea of soul, but they'll just talk about personality or personhood or whatever, mm. or identity. Um, there's no, there is, there is a distinction. There's a real distinction, but there's not a separation between the two. You, your body, this is why in Christology, in the study of Jesus, we, we make the statement that Jesus has a human soul and a human body. When the divine word unites himself, uh, is united with the, hum the humanity that's conceived in Mary's womb at the moment of conception, the whole of humanity is united to that. It's body, soul, will, mind, everything. So anyways, we are, we're getting maybe a little off track with all that, but um, the body is integral to who we are as human beings. We wouldn't be human without a body. 
And because we are in the material world, material things have purposes and ends, and and uh, and so they are built for a certain thing. And if we are not living in the state by which that thing can be expressed, then we shouldn't do it, right? It's why, for example, it's immoral for a priest who is not married to enter into a sexual relationship. Why? Because while we're using our bodies properly in the sense of what they were built for, we're not doing it in the context by which God has ordained it to be used. Right. Right. Maybe even more basic. Like okay. a hammer yeah, is meant me to <laughs> hammer nails, right? To yes. build something. If I take that hammer and use it and to so, hammer in Father Harrison's skull, I have done an evil thing. Yes. Or, it, okay, yeah, exactly. Or even if it's not evil, sometimes we'll do it, we'll just be using illicitly. Like if you're using a hammer to flip pancakes, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Right? It, the, it, it's built for a certain purpose. But this is um, something that we have lost in, in, in modern and postmodern thinking is we've lost the ends and purposes of things. So when we're, when we're hearing from people about same-sex marriage and they're saying something like, well, love is love, they actually don't care. Now, I'm not, well, sorry, maybe not don't care, but they're not thinking about morality in terms of what a thing is made for. They're thinking about morality in terms of what makes me feel good and makes me feel self-fulfilled. Yeah. And so there's still an ends they're pursuing, but it's a different ends. Right. And there's a reason for this. Um, yeah. Because we grow up now in a world that tells us all the time that there is no universal meaning, that there exactly. is no purpose. And exactly. if you look around without the church's worldview, you look around the world and see the chaos and the suffering. Mm-hmm. You look around at all that stuff, like this world is completely unreasonable. Yeah. So now I have to build up my own reason. And what do I know? What do I experience most deeply? Well, to be honest, it's my feelings. Yep. Those are things that they often take over our entire lives. Yep. So of course you're gonna base your morality or how you view love on your feelings because that seems to be the closest thing to you. Exactly, exactly. So it's about, uh, we, we are still, I think inherently we are people who desire and need meaning. Without meaning, we would we would go insane. I think it's very rare the person the person who actually takes nihilism seriously. Yeah, you can't. Um, and you can't and do if that they do, well, when they do, they usually go insane. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a meaning and purpose to things. We we notice inherently. So when we're not seeking it as it's been given to us through creation and by God, we then feel the need to be creators of it. And this is why um, people, for example. Uh, with same-sex attractions are experiencing in their own little depths or in their own depths a strong need for this desire to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. and they feel frustrated if they can't fulfill it and so this is where this is why i think i would argue that homosexual desire and the homosexual culture are so in integrally they're so integrated so much because um sexuality is so integral to who we are that when it's frustrated um we still it's so expressive of our person we need to find a way to fulfill it health Mm -hmm. and 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 so yeah i want want to say something about that that's important though because it can sound like we're discounting same-sex relationships and i think it's important to be careful about that okay because someone who has same-sex attraction or however you want to say someone who's gay yeah you do experience your life as an other. Right. Still in our culture, despite uh, attempts otherwise, straight is still the norm, gay is not the norm. Right, right. So you grow up and you experience, it's even 
just something that you experience. You, your body isn't attracted to the body it was built for. Right. That's a difficult thing to go through and a confusing Absolute. thing to go through. And Absolutely. when you receive all these confusing messages, that's going to be all the more difficult to go through. Yeah. But when you meet someone of the same sex who's attracted to you, you're mm -hmm. going to experience feelings of acceptance. Yep. It's going to seem on some level that, okay, this is what this is for. Yep. And you're going to experience probably just regular old friendship with this person as well to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And it may be the first time they feel genuinely accepted. It may be the first time they feel comfortable with themselves. Yeah. So when you begin talking about ends and means with mm -hmm. people who are in same-sex relationships, it's going to feel like an attack on the only thing that they exactly. think brings them peace. Absolutely. That's why talking about this is so difficult. And you can't do it in a tweet and you can't exactly. do it in like a 10-minute teaching. It needs probably, to be person to person. You probably can't even really do it in the 30 minutes on uh, our podcast, but we're going to try no. to do it as best we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not trying to say this is how I think. Uh, I'm just talking about it a little bit. I want to talk about the other things too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. I think. I think um, this is something we can do a whole podcast on, and maybe even bring on someone about that one day, sure. because who who's who's gone through those struggles and everything. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is that so when we understand when the church is teaching something, we're always she's saying something is immoral because we're interrupting its ends. Mm-hmm. This is why contraception is immoral, right? Yeah. It's interrupting the end and purpose of the sexual union. It's putting a barrier between a husband and wife, and it's it's literally uh, stopping the ability to be open to, to new life. Um, this is why abortion is because it's, it, it's it's equivalent to murder, right? It, it's you are killing a life. You're interrupting its natural progression. Um, you are. It's the same thing with euthanasia, mm -hmm. right? You're interrupting the natural order of things. We don't, there, I got about 20 things floating through my mind right now about why people struggle seeing things this way today. And I don't want to get into all of them because I don't want to muddy the waters with this. Rather, I just, right for the moment, as we're talking about this, I just want people to understand that, that this is, the, the church's reasoning for this is always based on the idea that God is the creator of all things. And if God is the creator of all things, he's in the Aristotelian language, he is the cause of it. If something has been caused, it also has an end towards which it tends. And so God has ordained that end in creation. Mm -hmm. And if God is the one who's ordained this end, we as human beings have zero right to interrupt and to go against this end. And this is why the church says these things are wrong. How we go about this, how we relate pastorally to people in these different situations is a totally other topic. But it's important to understand that this is at the heart of all. It's, it's why even around um, like marijuana use right now, right? This is, which is a big debate in Canada because it just got legalized here. Right, yeah. Um, it, it's, the same, it's the same thing. It's about ends and purposes. And are we interrupting God-given things too quickly it's why it's actually why everything that we call a sin is a sin when you get drunk what happens you've you've lost your willpower you've lost your reason you've lost all your rational faculties that are essential to who you are as a human being you've you've kind of debased yourself as a human being yeah you've taken right? away the ability to reach your ends exactly exactly because you're drunk <clears throat> exactly <laughs> and you're exactly. stumbling around yeah 
it's why the church says that, right? It's the same thing around um, other sexual sins, right? Uh, it, it's you are interrupting its purpose and end. There is mercy, obviously. There's always going to be mercy uh, there to help us through it. But this is the church is saying, no, no, you're, it's built for something. And to trust that God wouldn't ask us to, to live this way or with this sin or like with the struggle or whatever it is without trusting that his grace is going to be sufficient to help yeah. us through it too. Yeah. I think because this is why one of the reasons why the witness of celibacy is so important right now. Absolutely. And also you can see the kind of evil genius of the enemy in attacking mm-hmm. the church on celibacy right now with all the yeah. scandal. Absolutely. Because what celibacy, celibacy shows, what it witnesses, what it points to, is that our ultimate end is God. Exactly. That only he can fulfill us. And it's one thing to say that. It's one thing to preach that. But if you have someone who is actually living that out in joy, it's, yeah. that's what we mean by witness. Exactly. Like this is, we can prove this with our very lives. Yeah. So it's not Absolutely. the same as someone who can't get married because they have, because they're gay or lesbian. It's not, same, mm-hmm. it's not exact same, but it is, yeah. I think, helpful to that, to point to in a real concrete lived out way that God is the one who fulfills you ultimately. Exactly. And I think, I think anyone who is living, who, who has same sex desire and is living a celibate life according to Christ's teachings, mm-hmm. I think they would say that, I, I think that would be, a, if, they're, if they have an authentic relationship with Jesus, I think they would see that, that, that freedom of celibacy. Yeah. Right? Because it'd be the same thing. You are being a witness to, the, to Christ who fulfills. And this right? is where we get to the importance of the cross as well. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ came into the world where we had screwed up all of our ends, all of our purpose. And he even takes that on himself in the cross. The cross is a mm-hmm. kind of contradiction. Yeah. That, I mean, if God is meant, for, I mean, God, it's different with God, but he's yeah. certainly not meant for death. But he right. takes on all of this. And because of that, the suffering we experience, because so often we, we break our ends, he can actually make that suffering worth something. Yeah. And that's really good news that the pain you go through struggling with any kind of sin is no longer fruitless, is no longer exactly. nothing, but actually can be used for the good of your soul and souls of others. We You're are taking... making up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Thank you, St. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really crazy phrase when you think about it. Right. Yeah. You got to break it down a little bit. But, but <laughs> Wait, there's... there's something lacking, but it's about the church. Yeah. Right. Um, totally. And I think, uh, so this is, now, how do we communicate this message? Because I, there's two things. There's two things with this. Okay, I, I'm increasingly convinced that the number one thing we as a church need to do today is present what I, what we would call academically, <coughs> excuse me, um, an authentic Christian anthropology or a Christian vision of the human person. There you go. Yeah, I think it's essential. And I think we are failing miserably at communicating this message. We are, because we, we keep using the language and the words that the world is using. Yep. And so often when we talk about gender and sexuality, very often we don't know what we're saying. Like the right. church does as a whole, but right. we often don't. Yeah. And what we're doing, and we talked about this in another podcast, 
we're presenting this whole different other world. Yeah. A different reality. Exactly. And we're drawing in. So basically, I mean, it's not even so much comparing philosophies or comparing mm-hmm. arguments. I think the Christian, particularly in this age, is just presenting a better story. Yeah. Better because it's true, but also mm-hmm. better because it's it's more good. Yeah, it's exactly. Better. Exactly. It's so, more hopeful. And, so the Christian, yeah. yeah. So the Christian vision of the human person we would all believe is freeing and life-giving. There are political entities out there who are being aggressive in pushing ideology, absolutely. In the province of BC right now, uh, there is a group called Soji, which is aggressively trying to push uh, uh, transgender ideology in all of our public schools. Mm. And they're acting quick and 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 it's kind of scary how quickly they, but here's the scary thing too, is that they're being effective because people uh, aren't thinking morally about these questions and they're thinking, well, as long as it makes you happy, which is the general moral arbit, that's the way we make moral arbitration today. It's as long as it makes you happy, that's okay. Well, it goes back to- murdering people (laughs) as a serial killer (laughs) makes me happy. So is that okay? Well, right? Yeah, I mean it's an extreme example, but it is following the yeah. same lines of argument. But it's what exactly. you what we began this segment with: love is love. Exactly. If the highest value for you and all you have known most deeply is your own emotions, you don't want to make other people feel bad. And right. this happens to Christians all the time. Absolutely. This is why Christians yep. fall into this because they mm-hmm. know these people, they love these people, and the gravest sin they could commit in their mind is to make them feel bad. So you find Christians even being softer and softer on this and beginning to doubt the church because they're not looking at the world with the same eyes, with the same ears, with the same heart. Exactly. That's why it's so tough. It is tough. And I think um, there's... Anyways, there's there's just there's a confidence though in our message if we start to see it as what it is. This is why I think John Paul II's theology of the human person, popularly known as theology of the body, although I hate that title because that's not he's doing something more than just that. Yes. Um, his theology of the human person is, I think, a great gift to the church, properly understood, because he's attempting to share a vision of what it means to be authentically human. Because here's the thing. If we take the statement that God has created us in his image and likeness seriously, it will then follow that what how God reveals himself and that revelation itself will tell us what it really means to be human. Mm-hmm. And the, the ultimate uh, revelation of humanity then is in Jesus Christ. Yep. In the person of Jesus, we see humanity on full display in it and we see the fact for example that actually only when we are close to god are we fully human yes right um and that jesus's teachings tell us about what it means to be human john paul ii has a great phrase about this and he develops it in gaudium it's best uh, he says um jesus christ he says father may we be one as you are one open vistas that were previously unknown to human reason mm-hmm. alone, right? So, which means that we couldn't come to these ideas of known uh, alone. And th- this is the idea he proposes in Gaudium et Spes. He says that man cannot find himself except through a sincere gift of self. That the only way you find is by giving away. It's, he, it, it's a way he'd call it the law of the gift. Yeah, right? yeah. 
and the, and he sees this revealed in Jesus Christ. Sin disrupted this. We 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 were not able to come to this by reason alone. Only when you give everything away will you receive everything. And I think this is a part of helping people. I, I, I'm still struggling to figure out how do we get this message out there? Because there are a lot of people who need to hear this message. And I'm still struggling myself to think, what do we need to do to present this message to people? Because when you start to see things this way, I've experienced in my own life those times where I've given myself fully away and whatever it is, activity or something like that. That's when I find myself truly alive. Yeah right? Truly alive. The law of the gift shows us that, and it, it comes from the crucifixion. Jesus really gives his whole self. And what does God do in return? He raises him from the dead, right? He yeah. doesn't, God doesn't destroy when you give everything away. Cause that's what sin likes to try to convince us about. Yes. Sin likes to say you, you give away and you lose. Mm-hmm. The cross shows us you give away and you gain God Yeah. And you gain your, and you gain yourself mm-hmm. and you gain eternal life and you gain everything. This is the beginnings of what the Christian vision of the human person shows. And I think our, our ins are a couple places. One of them, I think, is, to be honest, just my experience as a priest in general, is there's a lot of miserable people, miserable people in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Who aren't happy, right? I would say, I would even venture to say, most people yeah. are unhappy. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's about showing them that what they've been trying to do over and over again isn't working. Yep. To say, maybe there's a different way. Exactly. Maybe there's a different way. Begin, I mean, it really just is begin telling our story. Yeah. And you start with- Be confident in it. Exactly. I mean, you have to, I mean, the thing is to be confident in it, you have to live it out yourself. Exactly. That's why, I mean, really only, the only people who can really evangelize now in a culture that is so far gone from the Christian ideal, the only people who can really evangelize are those who are becoming saints. Yep, absolutely. Or else they just yep. won't be this, believed. Exactly. So I think that's one place um, where it can really kind of start to pursue it. The other place is just entering into dialogue with people and asking them questions to help them see, like, because I think if you're really honest with yourself, you actually, you God gave us a conscience for a reason yep and i think there are little clues in our own experience and in our own conscience that show us that this principle that everything has a purpose and an end and when we interrupt it we're interrupting we we are disrupting um the good and choosing evil Uh, for me one of my favorite examples where i see it a lot on tv shows um is when people I actually just saw it the other day on House in season six. Okay. <laughs> uh, House and Wilson are are sharing an apartment together, and one of their uh, one of the apartment one of their neighbors presumes they're gay, and Wilson's first reaction goes, "Oh no no no, I'm not gay, I'm not gay," and he there is an initial kind of distaste for even the statement. If this was morally okay we wouldn't be making such statements. Now, to be fair, some people will make the argument that, well, no, that's just a holdover from a past morality. Right, and it, and is, it really, is happening less and less in the culture. Yeah, People will even, yeah. will, won't even react negatively to it as much yeah. anymore. So you see yeah. that, like a major shift happening. Yeah. But 
I think when people, I think very often when people are raging against the church, they're actually raging against their own conscience. Yeah. Because if you truly believe that the church is this archaic, masochistic, outdated and evil entity, it can easily be ignored for the most part. You might so say why are you that, still part of it. Yeah, you, right? you, you, you. I mean, you may might, might make the argument you're trying to free people from it, but that's very often not what goes on. That's not what people are trying mm-hmm. to do. It's right. because their conscience is still eating at them. That like, well, like, who's telling me? Who's t- who's still saying this sort of thing that's agreeing with my conscience? It's the church. So if I right. just got rid of the church, and this is this is the movement of um, progressivism. If we just yeah. finally got rid of the church, our guilt would go away. And yeah. so then that's when you see the religious zeal in the persecution of the church. Mm-hmm. Because it's the one thing they can't get rid of. This feeling, even if it's not like guilt per se, this feeling that something is off, something is still not working, something is still unfulfilled. Yeah, It has to be outside me. It can't be within me because my feelings are supposed to be right. It has to be the church. And I think that's why you see so much anger or persecution or against the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think it's the heart of it at least. Yeah. So listen, I, this is just meant to be more of an exploratory thing today. Uh just maybe a couple tips going forward is when you're at when you're with people, keep this in mind, especially when these hard topics come up. Everything's got a purpose and an end to it. And if you think reasonably on this, you can you can start asking people questions around this, right? Um how like how would you feel if I took that 20 bucks that you're holding in your hand right now? How would you feel? Why will you think, you know, you have to ask questions of people to help them see that this is innately true to who we are as human beings. It's about help because we, there's also confidence in recognizing that if God created us this way, then there's something innate in us that, that just naturally knows this. And we need to kind of help people re uncover that again. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, when people are using the, the the tautologies like love is love and stuff again, you have we may not agree with it, but you always do it in charity and go about in charity. Yeah, and ask them um, why. Like sometimes I've had people say, "Oh yeah, I have no problem with gay marriage." I'm like, "Okay, well then why aren't you gay?" Right. Well, I know. Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on, hold on. It, well, it depends. I don't do it all the time. On the conversation. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a good argument. Uh... Well, I'm not. It's not an argument. It's. It, I'm trying to open up another because you're trying to help people understand that who we are as human beings. There's there's something deeper to us than just a choice. Yeah. Right? We are. The phrase I like to use is that we are gifted into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which means our being is not our own. And this type of question starts to help us explore the possibility of giftedness again. That what, who I am, what I have received is actually from God who loves me and cares for me and wants me to have life. The third thing is start studying up on what the great teaching of the church is on what it means to be human. And I would definitely recommend uh, John Paul II's Theology of the Human Person. I think it's tough. It's, uh, I see it on your bookshelf behind you there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, third shelf down. Oh, there it is. Right, Hello. On the right, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a slog, but it's worth trying to work through. And you know what? We really need more authors 
who yep. understand the anthropology side of this, not just the sex side, to write exactly. good popular versions of this. We need better teachers of this. We need more. Okay, I'm going to do teachers. my little side here. Are you gonna, are you going to do gonna, it? Gonna, I was going to be just leaving it at that, but you can go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to do it. You know I'm going. Yeah. You know I'm going, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I personally am not a big fan of Christopher West because first he oversexualizes John Paul II's theology of human person. Secondly, he over incarnalizes it. Um, he sees it too much about the body. He sees John Paul fighting against Puritanism, which is not his intention or, or what he's trying to do. Because mm -hmm. Puritanism wasn't an issue in Poland when he was writing this. Right. Um, there is something much deeper and richer than what Christopher West presents. And I agree. I think there is a lot of there's a lot to be said and done out there that can help us to present this on a more popular and understandable level so that we can then help it disseminate into people's lives. Because I think the first place we have to start is just with people in the pews. Yeah. And help them understand what it means to be human, what the Christian vision of, of the human person is, and to start to live it out. And then they can then be the ones who start communicating this with other people as well. But study, learn about your faith. You, God gave you a head. You know, uh, one of my professors at seminary loves to say that when God, when Christ died for us, he died for everything, including your brain. So use it. <laughs> That's good. Right? So use your brain. It's a good thing. Read up. Uh, study. Encourage people who you think may be good to write books in this area to do that because we need more books to help us understand this for sure. It's a... I'm bringing this up because I just feel it's sorely underappreciated in the church. And going forward, issues around what it means to be human are going to get worse, not better. Yep. It's not going to stop with transgenderism. It's going to move to transhumanism, which is identifying as something that's not necessarily human. Mm -hmm. A cat, a gorilla, a giraffe, whatever, um, a rock. <laughs> People, it, this this is the logic of the movement, and there's already things about that creeping in. Yeah, it's just beginning, but it's, it's you just see beginning. seeds of it already, yeah. So we need to rediscover the giftedness of creation, mm -hmm. the giftedness of what it means to be human, and to rediscover what it means, the glory of being made in God's image and likeness. This is a large task that can't be solved in one podcast, but I'm saying these things, A, to give you an understanding of why the church says what she says, so that when you're hearing different things, you may not have an answer, but you'll know why the church does this. Yeah. But more importantly, be uh, to start to maybe awaken in your heart the need to start to prepare to fight even more vigorously for the truth of what it means to be human. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we since we read his tweet earlier, we're gonna have to bump him off. So yeah, sorry, that's Tommy, enough. We'll, that's we'll enough airtime for you. Yeah, Tommy. We'll Ty. have you next week. Uh, you can uh, find our podcast at, at clericalpod on Twitter. Uh, I'm at fr Harrison. You can email us at clerically or clerically speaking at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon, clerically speaking. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter? You can even find me on there for that. At Father Sharapa. I won't be tweeting a lot. But also, hey, I know a lot of you guys like our podcast, and that's awesome. But uh, how about you put your feelings, your likes, your intellectual critiques, which are all going to be positive, rate us on iTunes. We could use more ratings so more people yes. can find out that we are a very okay podcast. So if you do yes, that for exactly. us, it's free. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, if that's that, if that's your way you can say thank you we would appreciate it oh yeah that. it's huge yeah it's huge so uh, thank you everyone and God bless you peace